Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, we continue the recalibrate study. Today we look at the issue of family as the psalmist writes about the home, the Lord building the home. I love, uh, in a funny way, Mark Twain's philosophy of raising children. Here's what he said. He said, you, you do your best to raise your kid, and when he turns 13, stick him in a barrel and nail the lid shut and feed him through the knot hole. And then he says this, when he turns 16, just plug up the knot hole. <laughs> if you've raised teenagers, you might relate a little bit to what uh, Mark Twain had to say. But let's look at what God's word has to say about the family. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Such men are never to be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Psalm 128. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons, like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion, so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. The truth of this passage is that it is our responsibility to raise up a godly generation. Is this Psalm 127 attributed to Solomon lays the groundwork for what it really is to build a godly home and then carrying over into 128 the impact, the influence of that godly home. So we're going to take these passages and look at four phases or four stages of life in the family, all right? The first one is the establishing of the family. If you're taking notes, number one, establishing the family. It's clear in verse 1 and 2 there of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, its laborers, the builders, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. The picture of, that the psalmist is calling to mind is when a city was built, they would build a wall around the city, and then they would have guards that would walk on top of that wall. And he's saying, unless the, the Lord is in that, you're, you're watching in vain. It's, 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 uh, it's frutal. It's, it's uh, fruitless. It's futile. So let's look at these two essential ingredients in establishing the family. First of all, we need to be sure to give the Lord his rightful place. Give the Lord his rightful place. Unless the Lord builds a house, he has to be the priority. He has to be preeminent, the focus of a home. And this doesn't refer to a house that hangs a lot of religious symbols on the wall. It's not, I've got crosses in every room, or I've got pictures of Jesus in every room, or I've got scriptures in every room. 
It doesn't talk about the family that, that goes to church occasionally. It's, it's not speaking of just a person who maybe offers up a quick prayer when they, when they have a meal. He says this is the Lord being the foundation of that home, the, the rightful place. Someone said years ago, and it stuck with me, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He needs to be the Lord of our homes. This speaks to the fact that, that the foundation of the home really is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to have this essential ingredient in establishing a family, make sure God, the Lord Jesus, has his rightful place. But secondly, guard against meaningless activity. The establishing of a home, these early years, when, when the, a, a family comes together and establishes the home, God has to be the center. When I, when I uh, perform wedding ceremonies, I use that passage that says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And talk about the fact that that's a husband and a wife in the Lord. That's so important to give him his rightful place. But then the psalmist goes on to say in verse 2, In vain you get up early and you stay up late, working hard to have enough food. This, this is a picture of a person who just goes through work for, for the sake of, of providing just the, the financial means to survive. And, and it's just a meaningless activity. It, it's vain if you're not understanding that building a family is so important. So these initial years, this establishing of the home, the psalmist speaks of this. A, a couple comes together. It's just them, just the two of them. And the psalmist says, make sure that the Lord is at the center of that when you start the home. When we do premarital counseling, we try to make sure that the couple understands that. I don't know how anybody gets by these days without the Lord being the center of that relationship. And be careful that it's not just all about acquiring things. Uh, someone said that in, in my generation, we grew up wanting what it took our parents when we got married, what it took our parents 20 or 30 years to acquire. And I think it's, it's carried on to ne- next generations. Couples get married and they want that same standard of living. And they, they fill their life as newlyweds with meaningless activity, working hard just to acquire and, in essence, keep up with the Joneses. I, I read about a doctor recently who decided that was planning to build this larger home for his kids and his family. The more he thought about it, the more he thought, you know, I really don't need a bigger home. What my family needs is more time with me, and I need more time with them. And he made this decision just to kind of downsize and keep it simple. That, that's this truth here, not, not uh, laboring in vain to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that the Lord is priority in my home. So that's the, the first phase of family life, the, the newlywed couple as they come together. Make sure the Lord is at the center of that, and don't be busy about just acquiring things. So let's move into the, the second stage or the second phase of family life, and that's growing the family, growing the family. Look at verses 3 through 5, some of my favorite passages in, in, in the Psalms right here. Let's look at those verses again. Verse 3, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Let's just stop right there. These are those years when, when the family begins uh, and children start to come into the home. And, and here's one of the things I think the psalmist is saying to us, if you're taking notes. View the birth of every child as significant. Look at verse 3. Sons are indeed a heritage, a gift from the Lord. A reward, some translations say a, a fruit of the womb of, of, of the, that God gives a special uh, gift to families. Someone said God doesn't waste parents. I like that. When God brings a child, every child is to be viewed as significant. Look, I looked at some surveys recently. Back in 1990, 65% of people surveyed said that children are important for a good marriage. 
Fast forward to 2008, they did the same survey, and only 41% said children were very important to a good marriage. I don't know if that survey's been done since then, but I, I know this right now. Three to one, if, if um, Pew Research has done a study with American adults, three to one say that the purpose of marriage is mutual fulfillment of adults. That's the purpose of marriage. And they don't even mention bringing children into the home. They don't even mention raising a godly generation. They don't even mention having this heritage. So most people today view this, this selfish sense that it, it is all about us. The psalmist says right here, sons, children are a heritage, a reward, a gift from the Lord. So important to see it that way. So many parents view their kids as a burden. That breaks my heart. Now, we've raised kids, and I know what it's like to have toddlers. <laughs> I know what it's like to, to want to take a nap. I know what it's like to want to just have some peace and quiet. Just where I know what that's like. We, do, we, we, we go through that, but, but for that to be your major mentality, that these kids are burdened, I can't wait till they're out of here. The psalmist says, value them. God says, they're, they're a gift to you. I love what Chuck Swindoll says. He says, God doesn't inadvertently dump kids haphazardly into homes. He doesn't deliver accidents into our lives. The psalmist says they're a gift from the Lord, a reward from him. Think about this. You ask two fathers, what, what's, your, what's your role in raising a family? And one says, well, I'm supporting my family. I go to work. I earn money. I feed them. I make sure they have a, a roof over their head, and I provide for them. Ask another father, what, what is your role? And he says, you know, my role is to raise a godly generation, a next generation. There's a difference there. S providing for, meeting needs, those are all good. But to think about raising a generation, that's the, the key. View every child as significant. Secondly, value children as much as God does. Value them as much as God does. Look at verse 5. Happy is the man or blessed is the man who has filled his quiver with them. Such men will never be put to shame when they speak their with their enemies at the city gate. There's honor. God says he values children. We need to value them as much as God does. In Proverbs 22, the Bible says, teach a, a child the way he should go when he's old. He will not depart from it. We'll talk about that in, in a minute. That, that means to, to train up a child in, in the, the way God has wired him, I believe, into, according to God's individual bent to cooperate with God. Have you thought about that? To value kids the way God does, that, that you're cooperating with him in raising them. That's so important. Can you think about how raising your own kids, you, and I've, I've been guilty of this, you try to, to have a cookie cutter mold, this is the way I'm going to do it, and then the second child comes along. And you go, well, this isn't working with that one. And maybe a third one comes along. And you, you have to say, okay, God, I realize they're a gift from you. I'm going to value them as a precious addition to the family. And you teach me. You guide me in customizing how I'm to raise these kids. Value them. It breaks my heart that in our society, they're not valued like they should be. That's those child-raising years. Well, let's move on to the next part not just the early years of children, but moving on to Psalm 128, raising the family. Raising the family. How happy, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. He will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. For you. The, 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 the Bible says your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your son's like young olive trees around your table. What, a, what are these word pictures that the, the psalmist gives us? Uh, I've got several things to say, 
as we talk about moving kids uh, from, from coming into the home and celebrating them, raising them all the way uh, until they leave the nest, so to speak. First of all, accept the challenges that these years present. Accept the challenges that these years present. As you take those kids from infancy, working them through the toddler years, working them along, um, accept those challenges. Realize that it's not going to be easy. Nobody said it was going to be easy. It's difficult, but accept it. Say, God, here I am. You've given me this gift of a child. Help me to value that child as much as you do. And that moves me to the next truth here. Appreciate the early years. Appreciate those early years as we raise those kids, as we as we walk them through, especially as we think, I think about toddlers. Um, when, when we had uh, our kids and they were little, uh, Kelly went through postpartum depression. I didn't know what that was and found out a little bit later what was going on. And it was difficult. Those early years were difficult for her, for the kids, for me. Um, we got through it. It was tough. Uh, Kelly has gone back since and through that has, has prayed that God would would just restore those years. And, and it's, really, it's really great uh, with our daughter, Carissa. This is her testimony. She, she, Kelly prayed. She was hard. You know when, when you're in depression, how difficult it is to, to function? And uh, wasn't really the, in her own words, wasn't the best mom to our daughter, Carissa. So Kelly prayed that God would just restore those years and take away the memory of that. And Carissa's testimony today is that she doesn't remember that being a difficult time. Isn't God good? That, that that struggle, those difficult early years, and, and Kelly regrets that she couldn't enjoy those more. Young moms, find somebody that you can share with, that you can come alongside and share your burden and your struggle, that you could appreciate those years. Those, those, those years pass quickly. I, I love uh, telling young dads when they're holding their little bitty daughter or their little, little son, I say, I go like that right in their face. I go, it goes by that fast. Before you know it, they're going to be this tall, and they're going to be you know, driving off in the car down the street with their learner's permit or going off to college or going across the other side of the world. And I just tell them it goes that fast. So I see those guys through the years and they say, Kevin, you were right, man. They're growing up. It goes by fast. Appreciate those years. Time passes quickly. Remember the song Cats in the Cradle? Harry Chapin sang, how about it just, if you don't spend that time with your kids when you've got them, you're gonna regret it one day. Appreciate those years. Maybe you need to pray Moms, dads, God, give me an appreciation. If you have those, those toddlers right now, or maybe you've passed those years like we have, and you would pray, God, restore those years that maybe weren't the best. Next truth I would say here from this passage is appeal to God. Appeal to God. Parenting is a partnership with God. Don't miss that. We are trusting God with our children because he's given them to us. They're, really, they're on loan, as someone said one time. The psalmist said in Psalm 118.5, I called to the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and put me in a spacious place. Call out to him. Make an appeal. Say, God, I can't do this by myself. That's a good prayer, isn't it? God, I'm, I'm struggling. Maybe, maybe they're little. Maybe they're not little. Maybe they're teenagers. God, I can't do this by myself. Cry out to him. Say, God, I need you. I need you to, to, to take control of this situation with my kids because I'm, I'm, I'm in need. I'm struggling. Hold that place in Psalm 127 and 128 and look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you've been around here very long, you know that this, this is our, one of our go-to passages when we talk about the family. Listen to the instructions in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. 
Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's a powerful passage of scripture for what it means to raise that next generation. Basically, the, 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 the passage is saying your responsibility, moms and dads, is to shape that next generation. So I put together an acrostic years ago that I like to go back to that will kind of help us looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And look at the word shape, all right, shaping. The first one is the letter S. Here's how you do it based on Deuteronomy 6. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ. Look at, look at verse 5. As, as, as we're getting these instructions from the Lord on parenting, the first thing he says is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Moms, dads, if you're going to raise a godly generation, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to know him personally. By, by, by faith, you have to understand that you're a sinner, that you've sinned, that, that you need to receive God's forgiveness, and you need to give him total control of your life to, to, to say, I, I'm in relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. That's it. To know him personally. Because if, if you're to do the rest of what this passage is, if you're to share him with your kids, you need to know him. And you need to walk with him. Someone said, you, a lot of us talk Christianity by the yard, but we only live it by the inch. If you know Christ is your personal Savior, walk it daily so your kids can see that. That's the key. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ. Listen, God isn't looking for perfect parents. He's just looking for, for parents who will submit to him. That's the key. I love the, the, story, the a man in, in a church I pastored, and I've shared this before, um, one of his kids played baseball with one of our kids in the church and, and so this little boy invited his friend to church and he came to church and then the little boy accepted Christ and then he invited his daddy and his daddy came and his daddy accepted Christ and so the whole family came and baptized all of them I believe a big family and one of the little boys after this guy began to walk with the Lord for about a year he said dad can I ask you a question he said why don't you talk about baseball anymore he said what do you mean he said all you talk about now is Jesus that's pretty good testimony, isn't it? For this, this dad who his life was baseball comes to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, and now that's all he can talk about. That's what we're talking about, submitting your life to Christ. Secondly, the letter is H, help. Help your child come to Christ. Look at verse 6 and 7. These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's to be a part of your lifestyle. Help your child see what a relationship with Christ is. Someone said it's not what you know, but who you know. <laughs> that applies here. It's not that you have all this biblical information. It's not that you can answer all the questions. It's that you know Christ as personal Savior, and you can lead your kids into that same relationship with him. Just use every ordinary thing of your life to lead your kids to Christ. It's not sit still while I end still. You know, somebody says, I can't understand why my kids don't, don't love the Lord because every day I made them sit down and I preached a sermon to them. Or every day they sat down and we did a devotional. It, it, what, did they see it in your life day after day, moment by moment, week after week, that you've submitted your life to Christ and you're helping them see what it means to walk with him. 
I love this statistic. 75% of all Christians were saved before age 14. If you think about people who came to Christ, most of them come to Christ before age 14. 90% of all missionaries were saved before age 11. You know what that says? Deuteronomy chapter 6 is letting us know, moms and dads, the importance of living it out so that your kids can see it, so that you can help them come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Steve Stroop said this, and I, I tend to agree with him. It's not the responsibility of the church to lead the children of Christian parents to Christ and disciple them. It is the parents' responsibility. Think about that for a minute. So many Christian parents think, I'll take my kids to church and they'll hear Jesus there about Jesus and and the church will lead them to Christ. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, parents, that's your responsibility. Now, we're glad to come alongside you. We're glad to partner with you. We're glad to lead them to Christ when they come to that commitment. It's your responsibility to to take them to that point. I got a phone call years ago from a a young mom in the church and she said, said, uh, uh, Pastor Kevin, my, my little boy's ready to accept Jesus. What do I do? I need you to come see us. And I said, well, lead him to Christ. And she said, "Uh, what do you mean? I said, you've done this. You've prayed to receive Christ as your Savior. Lead him to Christ. And she, you could tell, it was silence on the phone for the longest time. I said, look, if you you have trouble, call me. I'll help you. But you lead your son to Christ. And she led him in a prayer to trust Christ as Savior. And she's rejoiced in that, that decision that she got to be the one to do that. Mom and Dad, what a blessing to help your kids come to Christ. Next thing from this passage that I would give moms and dads is affirm your child often the letter a affirm your child often we looked used a verse recently in encouragement anxiety in the man's heart weighs him down but a a good word cheers him up affirm your child encourage them Susanna Wesley who raised 17 children I still still boggles my mind said this always commend and reward good behavior always affirm always encourage by the way they don't always get it kids don't always completely understand you have to repeat it over and over and over again affirm 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 when our daughter was little somehow in the conversation and I probably told her weekly if not daily how important she was to me and there came a point in our discussion about something that that she didn't quite understand that she was more important to me than the people at church and I thought I had told her that I can remember sitting her down on the counter and and telling her I said Chris you need to understand you are more important to me than any of those other people by the way I told my church that and they didn't like it they wanted to be more important to me than she was but I told her you are and and at that moment she got it and I thought I've been telling her that when I was a brand new pastor Carissa was little the phone rang and she was just talking and the phone rang and and the first words out of her mouth were is daddy leaving and she began to equate the phone ringing to daddy's going to run to go meet whoever's need. And I made it a, a habit to make sure she didn't, that that wasn't the kind of daddy I was going to be. And it was years before it finally got into her, sunk into her brain. Affirm your child often, repeatedly, over and over again. Make sure that they get it, that they are important to you. The letter P, practice consistent discipline. Practice consistent discipline. Verse 7 says, talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Make it a part of your everyday life. Repeat these things, some translations say, over and over and over again. Consistent discipline. Here's five things. This is a whole different sermon, but if you're, if you're uh, a young parent or want to help a young parent, set limits and boundaries. 
Only spank for willful disobedience. Never cause bodily harm when you spank your kid. Discipline and love, never revenge. And always work towards repentance. That's so important. So much I could say about this consistent discipline, but we've forgotten that in our culture, haven't we? And I, I, what did Dr. Phil say? How's that working for you? <laughs> We're reaping the consequences of that. Be consistent. I remember one young couple said, as they were beginning to have kids, they said, we're not going to allow our child to change our lives in any way. Nothing's going to change. <laughs> Whoa. So, well, you're going to have a hard time when it comes to discipline because you're going to have to stop what you're doing occasionally. Consistent discipline means I'm going to be selfless for a while. I used, to, I used to preach these sermons when I was a young dad and I had little kids and, and I would say how important this was and talk about raising your kids and, and wondering, okay, I've heard all those stories about when they get to be teenagers, right? I, I, I read Mark Twain's statement, put them in a barrel and close up the knot hole and I was just wondering, is this, this what's it gonna be like? We got into the teenage years and it was such a blessing and God just began to reinforce that we paid the price when they were little, to stop what we were doing, to take care of the discipline, so that when they got to be teenagers, we just got to enjoy them. Young parents, let me encourage you. Set those boundaries when they're young. Start early. Letter I, invest your life in your child. Invest your life in your child. Deuteronomy 6. It's a picture. When you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, every moment of your life, you invest your life in your child. I've shared the story about a camping trip I had with my dad when I was a kid. Everything went wrong from, I'm sure, his perspective. Uh, We got up in the mountains. We got there late. We were trying to set up camp in the dark. Uh, uh, Broke a tie rod on the car. Had to call a welding truck to come up and fix it. We caught some fish, they got away. This was to put them on a stringer. It just was a terrible weekend, I'm sure, from my dad's perspective. When I think about that weekend, you know what? It's one of the best weekends of my life. Why? Because I was with my dad. Because he took the time to invest in me. Invest your life in your kids. In, never break your child's spirit. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Be careful about breaking your child's spirit. It breaks my heart when I'm in the store and I hear a parent say something to one of their kids. It just breaks their spirit. And you can see in the eyes of the kids. Be careful about that. I've been to both my kids through the years and apologized to them for the tone of my voice. Now, I may have been right to say what I said, but the way I said it, the way I, it was in a way that put my kids down and broke their hearts. Never break their spirit. And the G, I think this is important, young parents. Give your child a break. Give your child a break. Again, that Proverbs 22, 6, teach a child the way he should go is when he's old, he will not depart from it. The Amplified Bible, teach a child the way he should go in keeping with his individual gift or bent. One author paraphrased it this way. I'm going to read it to you. Train up a child according to their natural bent, their individual tendencies, and innate personality. And when they are older, they will know who they are, why God made them, and what purpose they have for living and loving the God who made them. Isn't that good? I love that. You cooperate with God, and when they grow up, they will be who God intends for them to be. 
It's like God gives us this piece of clay and says, work with that piece of clay. Cooperate with me. We did that. And now I can say, as I'm about to move into this next phase of the family, that we can see how God's been in the midst of all of it. And that's the last phase, the empty nest. God's brought kids into the home. You celebrate them. You raise them. You pour your life into them. And then you send them out. Look at Psalm 128, verse 4. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. The family now is in this phase of family life is reduced now to the way it started, just the husband and the wife. That becomes a very awkward place for some families. I've, I've said over the years and watched this, observed this over the years, that when, when people pour their whole life into their kids, when their kids move on, they're, they're married to a stranger. Be careful about that. Moms, dads, make, make time for yourselves because the empty nest is coming. <laughs> it got here sooner than we thought. Again, it went just like that. The psalmist says you'll be blessed. Some translations, you'll be happy when, these, when the, the, the fruitful vine raises kids up in your house and they go on. So I'd say this, enjoy these empty nest years. Enjoy these years. Don't fret. Don't regret, but enjoy them. Say, God, thank you for this. Kelly and I are discovering stuff about each other that we never knew. It's like, it's like, it's like um, I didn't know that. Sometimes we're discovering stuff that we just didn't let out, right? <laughs> we're being more honest with each other now. And sometimes it's not easy. But enjoy those years. And here's what the psalmist is saying. Not just enjoy, be happy, be blessed, but experience the blessing as this next generation impacts the world. Experience a blessing as this next generation impacts our world. Look at these verses in verse 5 of Psalm 128. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you'll see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say, peace be with Israel. The psalmist is saying, when you raise this generation and you send them out, the very city you live in is going to be a blessed place. Isn't that great? The very country you live in, the very nation you live in. Someone said, I heard it 30 or so years ago, as goes the family, so goes the nation. And there were cries that were coming out, I can remember, back in the 70s and 80s, that let's, let's go back to emphasizing the family or else we're going to have a nation that's falling apart. And look at our nation today. As goes the family, so goes the nation. If we, as godly Christian parents, will pour our lives into our kids, we'll shape them according to Deuteronomy 6, we can see our cities changed, and we can enjoy that. We can experience a blessing, as the psalmist says. Gordon MacDonald tells a story. It's been told a whole bunch of different ways, but this one is about a, a medieval a foreman on a building site, and he, he walks up to one stonemason, and he says, hey, what are you doing? And the guy says, I'm breaking rocks. He walks down the row a little while and, and comes to another guy and asks another stonemason, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just I'm uh, building a wall, earning a living for my family. Goes down the wall a little bit longer and asks the third stonemason, what are you doing? He says, I'm erecting a magnificent cathedral. See the difference in perspective? 
Some of us say, what are you doing? I'm raising these kids so I can get them out of here. I'm providing for my family. Or I am, I am blessed by God to partner with him to impact the next generation so that I can receive a blessing because of the way these kids have gone out. So ask yourself this question. Have you made some mistakes in the parenting task? We all have. Are some of those so powerful that we need to go to our kids and say, hey, I messed up, will you forgive me? Maybe some of you say, we didn't start right. But today you could say, we're going to start today right. Maybe you're here today and you've raised your kids. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're, you're just going through life struggling with those situations that never were the if-onlys. Maybe God would call you to come alongside a young family who's struggling just to get by with toddlers. Or maybe to come alongside someone who's struggling with their teenagers and to love them and to encourage them. Maybe you're right in the thick of it. Let me encourage you to reach out to someone and say, help me. Pray for me. I need encouragement. Maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking, what I need more than anything is to give my life to Christ because I need to be in relationship with him first so I can impact my kids. Let's pray together.